if you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance where humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. Internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. We'll bring our guest today, which is Tracy Stead. Now, Tracy has worked in a variety or managed a variety of equestrian centres, both in Australia and overseas. She's managed up to 36 staff, so I'm sure we'll have lots of questions for her today. Tracy also is a coach, a rider, a competitor, but in particular, I'd like to talk to her about managing centres. Now, Tracy, how are you today? Oh, very good, thank you. Good, good. So, Tracy, you know, I talked to you before, but your favourite quote, what have you got for us, just so that our listeners can get to know you a little bit better? And often people can do okay, that just well, by a I quote like or something that they'll say. Train with intention. Yep. Um, and with that intention comes the commitment to give the horse more confidence and trust. So it's very important that when you go into training with a horse or even training with a rider, that, um, you know, you have got intent about what you're about to do. So planning what you're about to do and following it up. That's the big thing. Horses find it very confidence, uh, a lot of confidence in you when you actually come across that you do know what you're doing. So it's um, yeah, training with intent. Okay. So the confidence that you've got is going to give the confidence to the horse, of course. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Tracy, tell us a little bit. Now, normally we'd start off with a memory, you know, something a bit, you know, that, that just was an early memory for you, an early lesson perhaps, and a lesson in what to do or what not to do. What have you got for us? What can you tell us? Uh, I suppose the, the early lessons that I've had is, um, you know, basically one of the big things was I trained with um, an old breaker which lived at Katai in um, just, um, west of Sydney there. And um, he was an amazing man because he was a man who really could read horses. Mm -hmm. And what he taught to me, one of the biggest things he taught to me is, A, one thing he's always stressed was safety first. But the other thing too was to always make the horse feel very, very comfortable and to always make the horse feel that there's a place that it can go to to feel comfort. Um, but, you know, at the same time, to be intentional with what you're about to do and to form boundaries. That was probably one of the biggest things that he said to me was, you know, you've, you need to form boundaries with these horses but also have a lot of empathy in you so that you can show the horse when it's done the right thing. It was good that you got to be work with him you know, when you were younger because sometimes people come in and it takes them a little while to work out that you can work with empathy. And a lot of the training systems that you've said, sometimes people go through a, a bit of a, um, I don't know, a rebirthing almost. You know, they learn one way and then they've got to turn around and, and learn another one. They just say they wish they'd learned it when they were first starting. Yes, that's right. I think I think um, what we find most difficult now at the moment is that we haven't got some of these older breakers and trainers that we can sort of go and work with. 
And I think a lot of people are missing out on that actual beginning stuff. And I think, um, like with this particular breaker that I used to work with, sometimes they wouldn't break their horses in and even touch them till they were four years old. Mm. And I learned a lot about how the horse actually deals with that. And I think um, for people starting off, it's good for them to do some ground control work. And I think it's super important for the horse to build confidence with that person too through ground control work. So I was very, very lucky in my life. And I look back at, and sometimes I take for granted, but I must say it's actually held me, you know, through a long time with me working with horses. So it's been a very good foundation for me. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just thinking, you know, because a lot of people when they first start with horses, it's pretty much about the riding lessons. Like, let's get on, let's ride. And their first real communication with the horse is as a rider, not necessarily just forming that bond, getting that relationship, getting any sort of communication with them while they're on the ground. Yes, that's right. I find that a lot of people have basically, um, sometimes when they go to them to, you know, help them with their training sessions, Mm. that they actually have uh, not much of an idea of how to, if I say, control, work with the horse on the ground. Um, But they could be very, very good riders. But unfortunately, they've missed, they've sort of held that little bit back because of the fact of actually not being experienced enough to take that horse through so feel that they're confident enough to actually teach that horse on the ground. Um, but you know, once they're in the saddle, they feel quite confident. So one of the things I like to try and train is to make sure that you are very confident on the ground with the horse and have tools that actually help you with controlling the horse. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be a time when the horse feels um, in a compromising position where the horse you know, looks to you for for that trust, looks for you, looks to you to say, you know, what should I do in this situation? You need to be there for him. Yeah, so that's yeah. one of the big things that I like to train. Okay. And when you say tools, tell us a little bit about that as well. You know, otherwise it's like you're giving us almost a bit of a hint that there's something there, but then we're not following <laughs> through and finding out the extra information. Okay. So basically when I say tools, it's probably an open word that I use to say like, how do I stop this horse? How do I back this horse? How do I laterally change this horse? How do I turn him? Um, how does he understand when I want him to go faster, slower, when I want him to um, stop and just sit there and just stay still in his, in his rectangle? So basically it's a matter of that doing all these different things, you have to have certain cues that actually ask the horse to do these things. So it's important that I always sometimes say it in an open way of saying you have to have a little toolbox and you have to have a few tools in that toolbox that you may need at the time of needing it. So it's very, very important that you establish these tools upon a horse and establish yourself when you're training as a trainer mm. so the horse builds confidence again. Yeah, and that toolbox is a little bit easier than, say, a builder's toolbox carrying around in the back of his truck. At least you've got it there, and it's something that you'll always have. Exactly, and sometimes these these tools are pulled out in um, a very quick um, in a very quick uh, time slot because of the fact that something has occurred. Uh, maybe you had planned to say just walk the horse down the paddock, but unfortunately at the time of walking the horse down the paddock, something has occurred to frighten the horse and now you need some tools on that horse to get the horse back into trust with you so that you can continue the walk down to the bottom of the paddock. Yep, yep. Now, Tracy, your career with horses, was that something that was always going to be or was there one particular moment that you thought, I'm going to work with horses, I'm going to have a career with horses? Well, um. 
Family-wise, my, my family was in horses, um, as in my grandparents' side. Um, so in, in my grandfather, you know, we had horses there. But unfortunately, and even my, one of my great aunts actually showed up at the Sydney Royal, but when it come down to with my mum and dad, my mum and dad had no horses, and um, dad had horses when he was young, mum was around horses, but they never had horses. And I was just one of those kids that, as soon as I saw a horse, I, I had to touch it. I had to go and see it. I'd mm-hmm. send my parents absolutely crazy. So, um, and then eventually mum realised that maybe I might just be okay with a horse <laughs> and maybe one horse would be okay. And um, But in the end, we had probably approximately 30, 30 plus horses. So, yeah, <laughs> it, it, I slowly got around them to build the, the, build the population up. So, yeah, so it started off, it, it was always inside me. I absolutely adore horses and I love horses, very, very passionate about them. Yep. And, um, you know, even at this stage now, I, I feel like still that little kid who loves their horses. So, you know, it's always been with me. So that's how basically started off. Yeah, yeah. And there's lots of people who come on as a little kid that just, it's almost like, a, I don't know, a problem with the genes or something. You're born with it and you just have to have to be there. But you've had large numbers of staff that you've employed. What else are you looking for? Are you looking for someone that's got that? What other core skills, character traits, things would you be looking for when you're employing someone? It has to be that someone has the passion to do the job because it is really hard work. It can be very patience grinding because the horses, just working with horses themselves, you're working with all different personalities. And I mean, it, the the weather can be annoying, etc., etc. So we have to have someone who's got really good patience that can show good empathy with the horses, um, and they they really do have to have a love for it. I. I wouldn't particularly want to employ someone who was just doing it for a job because I don't feel that the horses, truthfully, the horses would feel that they're only there for nearly that, not there for them. So it's very, very important that person is very honest to the horse. Yes, yes. And I think the good thing about work, well, you tell me what the best thing about working in the horse industry is. Um, the best thing about working in the horse industry is I get to work with horses every day. Um, and, um, you know, and so that, that's basically, you know, my number one love and it really is, it, it goes beyond anything else. But working with the horse industry, it also opens you up to a lot of other things in life. And that is meeting people from all different walks of life, because you'd be quite surprised how many different people do get to, you know, have got a love for horses. Um, but also to, I suppose you might say, that the um, the love for getting out and being in different different venues all the time with the horses, um, sharing your love for horses. So there's a lot of good things about the industry. It really comes from though how passionate you are yourself. So if you're very passionate about it, it'll take you to to amazing places. It's taken me to amazing places in this world. So, mm, um, mm. You know, for what I've done, I'm I'm very very glad I went down that pathway. Yep, yep. Because when you said about someone doing it not just for a job, because people who do things for a job are just looking for a bit of money. You know, they're just saying, I just need to do a job to get paid at the end of the week. Whereas with horses, it's more than about the money. You know, it's about everything else, not just the money. And it's often about things that money can't buy rather than just having it as a job. Exactly. I mean, us in the horse industry who are professionals within the horse industry, 
Um, there's a lot more to our job than just going out and just training horses or training people to ride horses. Mm. Um, you know, we have at, at night time, we have phone calls coming in to talk about horses that we might have uh, assessed for potential buyers. Um, we might have people selling horses who want to look down the pathway of, you know, how am I going to conduct this sale? Um, you know, I have people who ring me and say, oh, you know, today this happened, what am I going to do? Um, so there's lots of things involved in the horse industry past what some people just see, and that is us maybe riding horses or training people or training horses. Um, you know, we've we've got a lot of um, different things to organise behind the scenes. Yep. So horse feeds, et cetera, farriers, et cetera. So it, it is quite a diverse industry, um, it does involve a lot of time-consuming work, a lot of work you don't get paid for, like mm. especially professionals. Um, but the biggest, I think sometimes the biggest challenge is working with the many personalities that we have to work with, and that is inclusive of riders and people who do tend to, you know, work around the industry, but also to the horses that we have to deal with. And a lot of times we work with a lot of damaged horses and, um, you know, and they can be quite consuming of of your energy. So, you know, there's a lot of things there that, that need to be considered when you work in the horse industry. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. I'm thinking about people and horses who've influenced you and I know that you've said about the breaker you were working with. Is there anyone else that do you think that's really helped you, you know, because I'm thinking about the oh, challenging yeah. horses. So I plan yeah. to ask you about the challenging horses as well. Well, I suppose in summary, when I first started working and, you know, I decided I was going to get more serious, I actually started working with Simon Kale, which comes from Foxground yep. down in New mm-hmm. South Wales. And Simon was a great influence on me to start off with, and he still is. I still work with Simon here and there, uh, especially being an EA coach. We've got to do our um, clinics a lot with the level threes, and yep. Simon's a level three, so that's what we do. I was very lucky to um, – I was riding a lot of horses for people, and I was very lucky to ride – Horses for Ann Barber, and Ann Barber put me onto a very good coach called Warwick Cousins. And Warwick Cousins was a direct student for from Alias Podusky, and Podusky was one of the best masters, probably or one of the greatest masters in the world for dressage and training with horses. So I was very, very lucky as a young person to um, start working with Warwick, and um, who's trained me a lot about how to train a horse and how to get posture, etc. I, when I was in my show jumping career and um, one of the people who influenced me a lot was um, it started off where he, and he taught my he taught me my heart and soul and that is Dale Priestley and um, and then I moved on to people like George Danner, um, Robbie Stewart who was fantastic for my posture um, and a, a few other coaches that really yeah were there for me in different ways so I used to attend clinics and um, of course you know take home the information that I needed but you know the the people who really shine through for me are those type of people and at the moment you know one of the people that I work with is um, Jose Mendez and um, Jose is a fantastic person with lots of empathy so um, and they're the people that I tend to sort of work my circle around is the people who work with me and like me um, in the sense of that, you know, we work with empathy and we work with building confidence with the horse. We're not here to try and bully the horse. We're here to try and get the horse to have lots of confidence and trust in us so that um, we can move on to tomorrow's lesson and feel very confident and happy about it. Yeah, yeah. And you talked earlier about horses that have been damaged. And I'm just wondering, is that about a horse who's influenced you the most within your career? Is it the damaged ones that you work with or is it others that you've worked um, with? 
Yeah, I look at this. If I say what am I working with right now, mm. I work with a lot of horses just off the breaker. So yep. I, I take the horse from the breaker into a horse that you can ride at a competition. Um, we have a lot of people who have unfortunately, and I do say unfortunately, they've purchased a horse that has got um, some damage or some, you know, a little bit of damage that comes with it. And that could be things that they, the horse has been uh, dealt with the wrong way, um, maybe through cruelty, maybe, um, you know, somebody's owned the horse who didn't realise they were doing the wrong thing to the horse, maybe being too severe on the horse. So we work at um, regaining that horse's confidence again. Um, I work with some fantastic people as far as um, chiropractors and practitioners in that way to helping the horse recover and rehabilitation. So we have um, a, a quite an advanced sort of situation happening where we do want the horse to recover to the best of our abilities. Now, in saying that, not every horse is going to recover 100%. And, uh, and some horses, unfortunately, have too much muscle memory and too much memory of some of the things that have gone wrong in their life to let go. And as we know through people, people can be exactly the same. So unfortunately, there's no magic wand for every horse and person that we work with. But at the same time, we will try and do our best to try and help that horse through its problems and um, especially through things that um, really have that horse in a situation that scares it. Um, we really try our best to try and do that. So I'm working with a lot of also with a, a lot of competition horses that are willing to work um, and pleasure horses, dressage horses, show jumping horses, um, team sorting horses. And um, and basically the the general clinical horse. So yeah, quite diverse. <laughs> yes, I tend to work with yep. a lot of different horses. So yeah, and I love my work. So that's probably what keeps me going too. I'm trying to think your proudest moments. Is it the everyday, or is there one particular moment that you'd like to talk about? You know, every day I have um a proud moment. Um, I've just come from a lesson now, and um the the lady you know that I'm training with, she had a lot of difficulty, you know, learning about a few little things that I had, um, you know, asked her to sort of stick to. And it, it was hard for her. And today she really had that breakthrough moment. And Good. you could see the horse just blossom as soon as she put it all together and the horse just blossomed. I felt really proud of her that day, that moment. So, you know, those sorts of moments when I see people, you know, uh, I suppose obtain what they – we're really setting their goals for, I feel really proud. So those sort of things, I'm always trying to help everybody as much as possible. As far as myself, because personally, um, sometimes my proudest moments are when I've taken a horse from properly next to nothing and then made that horse into quite a champion horse and known that that horse has become my best mate. Mm -hmm. And I think that is one of the proudest moments that I feel inside me. Yep, yep, yep. I'm thinking about, because you're doing quite a lot with horses, what about the challenges of managing, you know, because you're very much a hands-on person, you know, you love the, the horses and the working with the horses and the teaching, but what about as a manager? How, how does that remove you? How does that change the focus? It's a real hard one because you you, you have several hats you've got to put on. You know, mm, you've, you've mm. got to put, um, you know, especially when you work with a large number of staff, you, you know, you've got to have one hat that feels like the counsellor. So, you know, we've got to make sure we keep everyone happy. Yep. And we've got to have another hat that we feel that we can make assessments of horses immediately. And, you know, if we need specialised people, et cetera, vets, chiropractors, et cetera, that we can make that move. Um, you know, if we're having trouble with sicknesses with horses, um, maybe it might be that the horse is not, 
um, you know, moving into the feed feed um, routine that we have set for that horse and we need to change it. Um, it needs to be immediately changed. How we do training sessions, um, when that horse is eating, when that horse is not eating, make sure it's drinking, stable management. Um, there's so much involved with you know, running the stables and, and running it correctly and making sure that everything smoothly. I think that's the hardest thing. One of the biggest things I found is uh, having that, that beautiful whiteboard. Um, that yes. was one of the best things I had. First thing in the morning, you know, you'd write up exactly what you were going to do, what, what way horses were going to work, what lessons we had coming in, um, and then um, what basically I expected when I wanted horses walked, um, when I wanted horses um, tucked up in the bed, basically. Um, so there was a, there's a lot to, to be done as far as the manager, but I was also the rider and I was also the um, coach. Um, so it sort of made it very, very hard. You had to have your head in 20 different ways. But, you know, that's, that's all about um, being a good manager and being able to basically put your head into that area that's needed to be at the time. It's having the right staff there too, isn't it? You know, the right staff there to oh, work absolutely, with. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make is that that you could have the best staff in the world, and um, and they could be quite knowledgeable, but it's you've got to make those people feel special, as special as what you make your horses feel, and you've got to make those people. You know, the another thing too is don't stop training them, because every time you train them to be better at what they do. They are being better for your horses. They are being better for your business and they're being better financially for you. So the biggest thing that I can suggest to anybody is that when you do have any staff, I mean, I had people who were actually raw to horses. They loved the horses, but they were raw to them. So I actually trained them from step go what they had to do, how to bandage, how to do this, how to do that. things that sometimes the average horse person takes for granted. Now, what I'd, I, I did want to make sure of, though, is that my staff were fed they were watered just as good as the horses because you can't do anything with staff if they're tired, if they're hungry, and if they're thirsty. So, you know, it's an overall an overall issue that everybody needs to be looked after so the best of their ability is being used. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good, good. So for people that are coming in to manage or even just start to manage staff, you know, even just for that their first groom or their first person to help them, what advice have you got for them? I would say to them because every every stable gets run differently, and it, it does depend on who who actually is is running the show. Mm. So make sure that that person knows the routine, how the routine works, and like I said, go back to that whiteboard, write down everything that you need to write down. Because then, if you just tell people something, and sometimes we forget, we tell them ten things, and they only remember two or three. And so, if you write that down for them, they can go back and tick that up. But make sure that they know how you like things done because if you want horses fed at a certain time, if you want horses banished a certain way, train them to do that. Spend the time. Put away also to a day a week where you just train your staff. You'll find it more beneficial for your stables in the end. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. Yeah, I think that's good advice for anyone and even those just coming on for their first member of staff that they can then keep those tips and go for the same, use the same for their second member and their third member and their fourth until they actually go up and get a team of 
you know, 36 or, you know, they build their team from that. Exactly. And, you know, what you've got to do is also have um, team leaders. So you've got to be, you know, if you've got, say, um, up to 50, 60 stables that you need to look after, of course, set them up into an area where that team leader with the, the staff that associate with that team leader, that they actually work that area. Mm-hmm. Of course, I always just to say to them, make sure that your eyes are everywhere because, you know, another group might have, who, who maybe runs, you know, stay, so say Block B, they might be running Block B, but if someone didn't see a horse down the bottom of B that's having trouble. Um, so I always train them to keep their eyes open. But that's a good thing to, to put across too. If you've got a lot of staff, it's to make sure you have team leaders within that staff that help manage within. So it's like micromanaging within that staff member, mm, staff mm. members. Um, and, it's, and it is very important to know that that team leader also has a very good personality to be a team leader. I'm not here for team bullying. I'm here for team leading. So that person, I want to make sure he's actually helping others in their learning capacity. Yep. No, that's, that's great advice. Okay, Tracy, what about a book just to help people with their education. It could be one on training horses. It could be one on training people and leaders. I think for the horses, horse side of things, Neil Davis has brought out a really good book. Um, basically, it's based around the, honestly, you could be a person who's just starting out with horses. And Neil really explains how to be honest to the horse, how to be true to the horse, and basically straightforward little exercises that the average nobody could do. Um, And I think if you really read that book really well, then that would give you a really good um, ground, um, if I say foundation for you, to start yourself off. There's a lot of people in Australia, this is a big thing I found, in Australia, it's such a big, big country, and we don't get that hands-on as much as sort of smaller countries. So unfortunately, sometimes, you know, we might have a book that we, we refer to, we might um, lucky now we've got computers. And when I was growing up, we never had computers. We couldn't Google something. We certainly couldn't YouTube something. So we just hung on to people when they come back from overseas and found out what they knew. But these days, you know, you have got some great resources to go to. But definitely Neil Davis' book, because I think the foundation of training is one of the most important things you'll learn when you're around horses. Is that the name of it, Foundation of Training? Uh, no, it's um, – I'm sorry, I'm sure it's called Neil Davis Training. Yep, that's okay. We can have a look for that. Yeah, that book is actually such a good book as far as, you know, just getting that, that absolute training foundation down. And it helps you – also what I like about it is he also addresses problems. So we all have problems, and so he actually addresses that problem so that you can get that um, that um, a little bit ironed out for yourself. and. And so that you feel confident in doing it again, showing the horse the intention of your confidence. And remember, you can find all the books recommended by our guests at horsechats.com slash books. You can have a look at the guest page for the individual book they recommended or just look at the recommended books by order of popularity at horsechats.com slash books. All right, Tracy, what are you looking forward to now? 
What I'm looking forward to in my future at the moment now is um, I'd like to get um, still keep the team of competition horses flowing through that we've got. Yep. Um, now, when I say team that we've got, um, this involves my clients, their horses. Uh, I do a lot of hands-on. I go to competitions with them, so we do a lot of hands-on. Um, I want to get my clients up and running and up into higher competition levels um, as they as they progress. And I want to make sure that they are really established before they move up. Um, we want to get some, we've got some young horses being bred at the moment with um, certain clients and those clients are now um, you know, working on younger horses, uh, older horses, they're getting broke in at the moment, so they're going through all their breaking in. Um, so we're trying to sort of look into the future of having some very good performance horses bred and then moving them onto the competition field, hopefully having them... Um, you know, go very well, and then moving on to their new their, their new places of residence, so new owners, and um, and then also to building confidence with those people coming through. But it's for me personally, um, I like to work with. For me, I've got my own horses, which unfortunately they probably get the least work <laughs> half the time. But um, because that they are so they're so strong in the establishment, they're very good horses. I I really do enjoy them. Um, but I must. One of my biggest loves be getting out there with other people and seeing them establish themselves. I was very lucky. I competed so much when I was younger, right to my thirties, and um, it, you know it was quite intensive. Um, and being overseas and working overseas, it was quite intensive. So I I don't mind sitting back a little bit and watching now my clients go through that with them. Yep. And um, so. My big plan now is to make everyone feel very, very good about what they're doing and to love what they're doing, you know, be passionate about what they're doing. Yep, yep. I think that's just a dream, isn't it? That's just looking forward to continuing on with what you're already doing. Oh, that's exactly right. I've been very lucky to do this uh, for a long period of time in my life. And, you know, there's going to be times when people in the horse industry and doing something that you passionately love don't think that there's times where, you know, we don't wake up in the morning and go, oh, I just don't want to see a horse today. You know, it's you get that for about five seconds, then you see their lovely faces and you just can't wait to be back in with them. But you do need to give yourself a break. I, I have suffered burnout. It, it's really easy in the horse industry because it's such a demanding industry uh, and it's so physical. It's such a physical um, occupation and career to go into. So I think one of the biggest things I can say to people in the horse industry too is make sure you take that break. Yep. You know, give yourself a break, get away from the horses. Because um, then, when you go away from them, you know that fifth or sixth day, you are looking for them. <laughs> you just, you know, if you're really passionate, you just can't wait. To get yeah. you can see a horse while you're away, poor horse. You know? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's something that's different with the horse industry to other industries. You know, people go on holidays and they wish it was longer. Horse people go on holidays and they want it to be a bit shorter. You know, so they can go back and get into <laughs> yeah. it. Mm. That's, exact, that's exactly correct. We, we're sort of, you know, we know we need that holiday and half the time we force it upon our body to yeah. give our body to break. Yep. Um, but I, I'll tell you now, even now, I always always stir up um, all my clients and I always say, if somebody put a vet check on me, I definitely wouldn't pass. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I might pass in soundness in mind, but not soundness in body, sure, I think. But sure. Yeah, still, but still, you know, I'm still riding a lot of young horses, and I'm still riding a, lo- a lot of damaged horses and bigger horses, etc. And yep. so, you know, there is a long term, uh, a longevity in in, in horse riding, um, and also to keep you super healthy, it keeps you super fit. Um, but you know, one of the biggest things I want to also say is, 
when you're around horses, please remember safety first. Mm. Safety has to be your first priority. A lot of people are hurt with horses. I've been hurt with horses myself personally, um, and it's just been a situation that's occurred that was out of my control. But if you can control the situation, please keep that control there because safety first is very, very much so a priority. Yep, yep. And it often only takes another couple of seconds just to do something, to put something in place to make sure that it is safer. Oh, that's absolutely correct. It's it's sometimes you just think, oh, it'll be right. I'll catch that horse without the head collar, put a rope mm. around its neck, and all hell breaks loose. And that's the only way to put it. Um, if you would have put the head collar on, nothing would have happened. So yep. it's always always think about Murphy's law. What will be will be, mm. and um, and I think that will probably keep you a little bit safer, you know. But it's very very important that you do put safety first. Yep. And I think um, the more for you, and even through management of, um, and that's one thing I want to say, management of people with staff, etc., on on the equestrian centres, you know, make sure that you put your staff through safety courses yep. and make sure everyone knows CPR, make sure everybody understands how to perform that because things can happen in a split second and, um, and you know, while you're waiting on emergency crews to get there, there's something that can be done while you're waiting. So make sure your staff knows how to go through safety courses and keep running them through your place all the time. Be consistent about making sure that staff is well-trained in that in that area. Mm-hmm. It only takes a moment too, if you're a good manager, to be walking past someone that's not doing it correctly to remind them about the correct process and then it only takes a second. But you've just got to keep your eye on all the staff, all the time. Yes, that's correct. And and it's got to be, really, it comes back to you as the manager. So if something's really going wrong within those stables, you've really got to ask yourself, what did I miss? Mm. And, you know, what have I not shown these people? Or, you know, have I been sort of, uh, and, and I'm going to use the word arrogant, and that means that you just decided to dismiss that and give that to your team leaders and so you don't want to take part in it. But you've got to remember this establishment basically belongs to your heart. And if it doesn't belong to your heart, you shouldn't be there. Yeah. So basically if you're running that stables that way, you also walk through with wide eyes as well. You know, yes. you get because you're the one actually who has the experience for the field. You know when you look at a horse and you go, That horse is not right. Mm, you know mm. when you look at something and you know it's not right. Do something immediately about it. Abort what you're doing. Go and fix that problem. Let the people know this is not your this is not your place now to bully people or or absolutely demolish people. It's there for you to now say, let's learn from this situation. Yes. Yep. Tracy, there's so many things that I'd like to talk to you about. I'd love to have you back again. I'm sure that you've got, you know, just your wealth of information that you're able to give our listeners. But before that, can you just summarise your philosophy with horses just so they've got something to take away with them? Sure. Um, you know, what, what I look at into the horse, my philosophy, is that when you're training horses you know, horses correctly, um, you need to establish the horse as well. So a lot of people at the very basis when they do the foundation stuff, the horse will start to go well and they'll just, they'll just jump to the next level. Make sure the horse is really established in what you're teaching. Each step that you do, make sure that you know that horse knows 100% what you're talking about. Because then, as I always keep on saying, and you hear this word all the time, the horse becomes more confident and the big word, trusting of you. Be intentional with all that you do with the horse. Make sure that when you go to do something, you've planned it before you're about to do it. You know you're going to do it. And so the plan and into the execution of what you're about to do, make sure it's done with intention. The horse will be looking that you know what you're doing. 
That's what they look for, that trust in you. Always help the horse where you can and always, always say thank you to the horse to yield and, and make sure that that horse knows that you, that you know that that horse has done the right thing. A lot of people will get a horse to do a certain task and then move quickly on to the next next task. I don't try to get the horse to do that task and thank the horse for that task. Yep. If it's done it, thank the horse for that task. Mm-hmm. Always make sure. And even with training um, students, same thing. Make sure that student knows that was wonderful. That was the greatest thing or that they need to work on it more. Yep, yep. All right, Tracy, if people would like to contact you, they can do it at horsechats.com slash Tracy Stead, and it's T-R-A-C-Y. But if they've got their details anyway, if you've got a pen ready to write them down, what's the best way to contact you? Um, they can go straight to my Facebook page, which is just Tracy Stead, and also, too, they can contact me through my mobile, which is 0413 and I will definitely get on to um, – and also I have an email, which is stead, S-T-E-A-D, dot equestrian, E-Q-U-E-S-T-R-I-A-N, at yahoo.com.au, and I'll be happy to help them where I can. Perfect. Tracy, looking forward to talking to you again sometime very soon. Fantastic. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.